All right. Hi, hello, everyone. We're back with another episode of the Fuck You Mentality. Uh, today's podcast interview is kind of interesting because I met this person through social media. It was through TikTok. Um, and it's a newer relationship. I we kind of just recently kind of rekindling with rekindling, started kindling, started talking, <laughs> started commenting and started creating, started creating a relationship. Um, but this specific individual speaks a lot about neurodivergence. And to be quite frank with you, I didn't really know what that was, um, even though being diagnosed ADHD. Um, so this person has kind of given me the go ahead to be as transparent as I am now with my superpowers, I call it now. Um, and kind of I've been learning a lot about myself through her content. And she's also an incredible hairdresser, but that's besides the point. Cause I feel like, you know, everyone's a lot more than just being a stylist. So without further ado, I want this person to introduce themselves. Who are you? Why are you here? What's going on? What's your why? Who the hell are you? Holy shit. Okay. So <laughs> my name is Erin Backman. Um, I am, God, what am I? I'm a hairstylist. I'm a salon suite owner. I'm also a certified life coach. I have two bachelor's degrees, two incomplete master's degrees, um, and all of that relates to the neurodivergence 100%. But I am just this, I feel like I'm a regular ass person um, who just tries to live their life now extremely authentically when I spent most of my life, um, probably about 38 years of it for other people. And the last few years have been focused on finding out, A, who I am actually as a person, and B, sharing that with the world because, like, fuck it, why not? I mean, what else do I have to lose? I think a big part of, like, what we're doing in the world is creating human connections. So why not share who you are? But um, I live in Northern California. I have a husband. Uh, yeah, we live in the same state. <laughs> Oh my God. Sorry. I unmute myself. Oh my God. <laughs> Where in NorCal? Um, I'm right by Sacramento. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Keep yeah. going. <laughs> and then I have a four-year-old and a ridiculous pit bull. Um, but I grew up in a really small farm town and I've just been a California, Northern California hoe for a while. So now I'm settled. I love that. Northern California hoe. Yeah. Um, so, okay, I have apples on my tooth. I, I did not know, A, that you were old enough to have a child. Yeah. <laughs> or let alone be old enough to be married. Oh, shit. I've This is my second marriage, and I'm going to throw you for a really fun curveball. My clients love this story. Um, he's my second Kevin, and he's not like, he's like the fifth Kevin who's come into my life. So clearly the universe is like, yo, you need to meet Kevin. <laughs> Wow. Okay. And then I'm gonna throw you another curveball. I'm gonna be turning 40 on the 21st of 40? this month. Yeah. You'll be 40? Like four 40. zero? 40. Four zero, yeah. When? When's your birthday? October 21st. Oh my gosh, you're the cusp of uh Scorpio and Libra. Libra. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's a really that's a really unique mix. Yeah. That makes, okay, that kind of makes sense. Like the empathetic side, like the, I call it being a golden retriever. My boyfriend's a Libra, um, of a Libra, but then like the, 
the pack a punch mm-hmm. loves so hard as a Scorpio. And like one of my best friends, he's a Scorpio, but he's like seven days after me and he's like full on Scorpio. Yeah. Yeah. I was married to a Scorpio and that's why I'm divorced. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm also, I'm a cancer though. So, but I'm a cancer Leo. He was like everything in his chart was Scorpio. So he was. Like, oh, yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um. Wow. Okay. That, that's like you were just you, so many curveballs i love this this is incredible <laughs> this is absolutely amazing i love this um <laughs> you have a four-year-old and you've been married i do yeah um, you are a certified life coach you have two unfinished yep. degrees um let's i want to talk about that so you went to mba yep. school i'm reading your your thing right now yeah you went to mm-hmm. when you want to be a professor what like why did you want to do that like what did you want to do with that um, so in college, I majored in sociology and multicultural and gender studies with an emphasis in Asian American studies. So my first husband was Korean, South Korean, and he was first generation here in the United States. And I actually witnessed a lot of how he performed gender. And I didn't, I didn't know at the time that like my interest in gender performance and interest in sociology was related to my neurodivergence, but it all makes sense. So if, if you're uh, autistic, you actually don't know how to human. I guess that's the way that I would describe it. So sociology is the study of groups and people as they interact with one another. So as someone who's autistic, not knowing how to actually interact with other people, you learn to mirror so easily when you're actually studying the behaviors. And so I was so enthralled with sociology, not even knowing what it was. I just knew that it was like a current term. It was like anthropology, but it was like current for like people who were living and we're going to study them. And that drew me in. And then I started my master's program at San Jose State. And I got about a year and a half in um, because I love teaching and I always knew I loved teaching. Uh, And I hit a wall because the woman who ran the program did not like my research. And I was like, yo, I've been doing this since undergrad. There's no way in hell I'm going to switch. Like, this is my theory I'm tied to. I literally came to school here because one of your professors wrote a very pivotal paper about the possibility of Asian American men destroying gender binaries. Um, And now I actually find that it's actually the youth who's doing it. Gen Z are actually really destroying those gender binaries. It's not specifically one group. So that's a whole other topic in and of itself. But that was my interest was gender performance, specifically like the deconstruction of the binaries. Um, And then when I hit a wall with her, I was like, fuck it. I'm going to take a break. I'm going to work full time. And then I started working this company and my old manager saw something in me. He's like, you should really go to MBA like you should just switch like go go do an MBA. So I did all of my classes except for accounting because it's painful as fuck and I would have to do 2 years of accounting because I didn't do it in my undergrad and I was like ah you guys I can't do this shit. So I gave up on that because I don't want to do 2 years of accounting. Mhm. Our numbers I took all the leadership. Sorry to mean to cut you off. Our numbers are yeah. They are just excruciating. Like statistics is the only math that has ever made sense to me. So it was fine in sociology because it was like, oh, 
the probability of this happening. And I also grew up with baseball and statistics is a really big part of baseball. So it was the only math that like really made sense. Um, and then anything else I was like, dude, this is, wow, this hurts mm. a lot. And I, I tried a couple of times to take the accounting classes and it was just like, someone stabbed me in the eyeball. This is so boring. Yeah. Um, continue what you were saying earlier. You said leadership. Sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. I struggled. Oh. That's why I was like, do you struggle with numbers too? Cause I'm fucking terrible at that. <laughs> I'm uh I'm really good at memorization so that part of numbers I get but in terms of leadership I took all of our leadership courses that was in the MBA program um and like my focus on that was on change management like how do you because I was at the time a corporate um manager uh and my job was to help teams like through big changes in in our company I guess um and so I studied a lot with how you focus on change management. And I got really into emotional intelligence. Again, it should have been a red flag. Like, hello, why are we studying so much human behavior here? Why is this such a special interest of mine? But it was. And I kept getting like really mixed signals in the corporate world. I kept hearing like from my team that like, they loved me and they knew that I would do anything for them. But then on the flip side, my managers would tell me that I wasn't empathetic and that I had no heart and that I was robotic. And I was like, dude, how am I hearing two different things? This makes no sense yeah. whatsoever. And I'm like, I studied emotional intelligence, you guys. Damn. Like, I know, like, not to bring my fears into a meeting with my team. Like, I know better than that. Um, I don't think y'all do, but that's, that's another episode for sexism in corporate world, but I digress, yeah. right? Yes, exactly. Um, okay. So then, <laughs> so I'm listening to all this and I'm like, okay, so it's, I was talking about this with, um, another person I was interviewing yesterday about how creatives in society, you're supposed to do this thing, right? You're supposed to go nine mm -hmm. to five, you're supposed to get your degree, you're supposed to do blah, 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 right? And what, what's unfortunate is that I call it being creative. I I, I know you, ha you have like the, it's kind of funny, like to listen to you. It's like, wow, like we're basically saying people, we just, we just use different words, literally it. Um, Being a creative, you know, we have, my dad always called it right-brained. I don't know. Mm -hmm. but, um, We don't really fit into that category, but there's not a lot of education about those type of people, people like us, you know, right. Uh, where we have fixations and we, and we look at things differently. Our brain is literally wired differently. Um, so then you go about life or you go through all these things, you go through these, these MBA programs, you go to college, you go to this, you go to this, but you never finish them a, because it's boring and B mm -hmm. you just can't like cognitively you cannot. And then you, finally get pushed i believe in the universe the sun the moon the stars and finally you get pushed into these these positions to these walls basically either you you embrace this side of you or you will continue chasing after a dream that will never happen right so why did you go into hair was that like what what was your aha moment like what what got you into that like what finally like fuck i gotta stop chasing the corporate and i gotta go create mm -hmm. it literally was when we moved from the Bay area up here to this like Sacramento area and I took over the three locations and like 
I knew it was going to be troublesome. I knew the team was a little bit more difficult, but they're such great people. I did not know that like I would be pushed so far past like my abilities as a human in that position. Um, I feel like my stories are so ADHD because they're like, I'm going to bounce here and then bounce here. But anyway, it's okay. <laughs> we come up here to Sacramento. I moved first. Uh, my fiance at the time moves nine months later in those nine months, shit had gotten so crazy at work. I had to fire an entire shift because they were stealing time and fraudulent time cards. So I've never fired people, let alone six people in one go. Then had to have unemployment hearings with them. And like all of it just started to eat away at my soul. And so all of these like crazy numbers and trying to squeeze as much effort out of my team to maximize profits for a company started to feel really fucking gross. Then I just started crying in my office all the goddamn time. And I'm like, dude, this cannot be what life is about. Cause my parents pushed me to go to college so much because they didn't. So it was like drilled into my head and my brother's head that college was how we're going to get out of this like working class lifestyle. Right. If you have the education, then you're going to be okay. Well, no, because I was, I was fucking miserable. And so one of the nights I remember I was like in my room and talking to my now husband, fiance at the time and telling him like, I can't do this anymore. I have to do something else. And I said, there's only two things that interest me. And my mom does nails and I grew up in the beauty industry. So I was like, I know how to make money in hair and I've never done it, but like I've practiced on friends and it's always been fun. But my mom really pushed me away from that. She did not want me to do it. And then I also really enjoyed photography, but I was like, I don't know shit about photography or how to run a photography business. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I think I'm going to look into hair schools. And so I just enrolled in night school and kept working my corporate job and doing night school to do hair. And uh, I graduated in December of 2014 and then started doing hair in January of 2015. And I was obviously like in my 30s because that wasn't that long ago. Did you experience anything that when you, when you had that aha moment, like any turmoil, any ailments, any sickness, like was there, I mean, besides bitch, like, how'd you know? Okay. So in hair school, um, and while I was still working my corporate job, this was right before these motherfuckers asked me to quit. I got in a car accident and I broke my right hand and they sent me flowers. And then a month later told me that, um, either I could resign or they would fire me. And I was like, Oh, you guys really don't give a fuck. And they, they didn't know I was in hair school. Mm -hmm. I was like, all right, fine. Fuck this. So when I pushed myself through two months of intense hand therapy so I could get back into day school and finish that shit out and get out of there so I could start making money. The common thread that I've learned throughout all these interviews and my own personal journey with myself is again with creatives. When we get into when the universe is telling us things and we we choose not to listen, oh it, yeah, it will literally <laughs> hurt you and mm -hmm. fuck you up basically so that way you stop thinking like you used to mm -hmm. and I love hearing this I love hearing people's aha moments like I hate to say like I love hearing what happens to them but yeah. I love 
I love hearing that because it's just like a true testament of um, kind of like integrity, you know, like you finally took a step back, swallowed your pride and was like, fuck, okay, I'm clearly not doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you break your hand and your corporate job doesn't really give a fuck. They send you flowers like, oh, gee, thanks, you know, and it, it is seriously the most painful lesson you could ever learn. And I feel like especially as a creative, especially as someone who kind of works this way, it's emotionally, it's not even, you can't even explain it to people. It's not even just a pain. It's it's a physical pain that no one can see because we, we absorb emotions a little bit way mm-hmm. differently than anybody else. It becomes a manifestation inside of our body and not just like a, oh, I'm sad. Like, no, it becomes an actual like thing. Like it's like, yeah. a, like a leech on our brain that and just festers and it is so excruciatingly painful, but to be able to come out on the other side of that is really beautiful, you know? Um, and just to give you like a backstory, kind of the same thing. I was putting myself in these weird positions where it, it just didn't make sense. Like I was married and I was doing this and I was doing that. And then I got, a, I suffered a spinal injury that is permanent. I will always mm-hmm. do it for the rest of my life. And I had to make a change. The doctor looked at me and said, Hey, either you'll be paralyzed in a year and you won't be able to do hair anymore or you make a change. And I was like, fuck. You know, um, so since then, you know, it's been this beautiful journey, but I hear this with every single person and I, I it's, it's kind of reassuring to me to know that like, we've all been through this like, yeah. really traumatic moment, you know, that is like propelled us into the direction that we need to go. Um, but yeah, so now, so now you're a stylist, you, you listen to the signs and you, you became a stylist and, um, we, we actually became licensed the same year, 2014. Damn. Awesome. Yeah, here. Um, and I think there's like anyone that's listening to this too. I think something to really take note of, of what she's saying is she's in fact in her forties and she's saying that she got licensed in 2014. So it's a true testament of you're truly at, there's no age cap on anything. You know, it, I don't know. It really just depends on whether, whether or not you're willing to listen and whether or not you're willing to take that next step. Cause it's terrifying. Um, but I can speak on behalf of, of Erin that I think now that she's stepped into this side of her, I mean, your success has been incredible. I mean, I feel like your your feedback on TikTok is amazing. The community that you've created is just, I mean, it, it's helped me too, you know? Um, and I'll put all, all of Erin's information in the, in the description that we guys can see like what I'm talking about. But I want to talk about that because- yeah. You're the first stylist that I've I've seen on any platform that has openly a talked about her superpower, um, mm-hmm. but has actually taken a step back and defined it in a in a way yeah. that is not just like oh you have ADHD you know, um, and of course like I, I've worked with doctors and I work with psychiatrists and stuff like that but they don't break it down the way that we understand you know right. it's like logics or dealing with creatives and. Yeah, they speak like clinician terms, and it's like, yeah, that makes no fucking sense. Okay, that's oh, so not helpful. I, I drink this, and then I do that, and okay, <laughs> all right, sounds good. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I guess now that you've become a hairdresser, right? Like mm-hmm. you, you've leaned into this thing. What what sparked you into into figuring out like your di- neurodivergence? Like, what was it? Why did you all this, not all of a sudden, but why did you think mm-hmm. I should lean into this? Or like, I, I, I just don't understand. I, I want to know, I understand all of it about Like you. how did that happen? I need to know everything. Tell me all the details. I need, how did everything happen? Um, so if you really want like your mental health to be put to the test and you really want to find out like the deepest, darkest shit about your life, um, have a child. 
So had my son and I had always been that like hella put together, but like the messy put together. And I didn't understand the messy put together, but everyone would be like, you know, you're so put together. Like you have everything figured out. And I, in my head, I was like, dude, if you only fucking knew, I don't, it just looks like that to you guys. Um, and once I had him, like, I just kind of spiraled into some pretty bad postpartum depression, um, got back on medication, like antidepressants, because that's the only thing I've ever been put on, but they've never completely helped all the way. They've made, they've made me stop crying a ton, but I had gone to the point where like, I started having these like OCD tendencies and this like obsessive behavior that I'd never had before. And it was just like, what the is going on? And then I started observing my son as he got older and I started noticing all of these things about him. And I'm like, dude, is this kid on the spectrum? Like, I'm just seeing things. And then I would ask my mom, like, did I do this as a kid? And she would be like, yeah, that's normal. And then I'm like, hmm. And at the same time, this is when we had the shutdown in California. We were closed for like almost seven fucking months. It was redonk. And he was just about turning two. So this is when you really start to see if your kid has ADHD or is neurodivergent or on the autism spectrum is around this age because it really starts to become clear. And we had already had some checklists from his doctors and they're kind of like, you know, it's not a big deal, but like, yeah, there's things there. And I was like, yeah, there are things there. And then the more I dove into TikTok and I swear that algorithm is from donk. That algorithm diagnosed me with ADHD, like right off the bat. And then it started pulling in autistic content. And I was like, I need to look into this too. Mm -hmm. And it was just like this huge aha moment when I realized and when I learned that autism is mainly a genetic thing, because it's just how brains work. Like if you're going to reproduce kids, because guess what? Neurodivergent people tend to steer towards neurodivergent people because they're like, oh, you're like me. Yay. Let's make a baby. And guess what? You make a neurodivergent baby. Like that's just what's going to happen, y'all. <laughs> and so a lot of women I have heard on TikTok and other platforms and things have shared that it wasn't until they had a kid that basically the switch went off and the ability to mask was gone because you are so raw and so exposed the hormones fuck you up on a whole other level um and I just kind of basically had the blinders taken off after having him and then the space and time of COVID and with the influence of TikTok and all of that I was able to start going down this like researching journey pushing more for my mental health pushing more to find out more about ADHD learning more about like what to do for myself that I can make accommodations, finding out that there are no resources for adults who are autistic, which is what the fuck. Okay. Fine. I will read my own goddamn books. Jesus. But okay, fine. You help me with ADHD. All right, fine. And then when you come to find that actually don't have many tips or tricks and all the shit that I've been doing, um, this is a book of mine, Productivity Hacks, um, Manage Your Day-to-Day. -day. These are all shit that I read because I needed to figure out how to build a routine. Like I'm reading stuff for neurotypical people and some of them work and some of them don't. 
And so I just started creating different systems in my life. And I didn't know I had already been doing that all of these years that worked for my neurodivergence. But it was kind of like this big, like, holy shit. Now I see everything through this new lens of what has always been there, but has just been hidden. That's... um. I'm kind of like, it's not that I don't want to say to that, but like, I don't, because that is, uh, that's just incredible that you're, it's okay. Let me backtrack. Words yeah. Um, it's kind of a true testament of how incredible the body really is, you know, um, having a child. And that's, that's the thing that kind of, uh, sent you into being the true Aaron, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, kind of took away like the layer of what I, the layer of society that's been kind of chilling there. Um, I fucking, when you said messy put together, I was like, oh my fucking God. If that's not what everyone fucking said to me when I was younger, yeah. even, even more so now, like, oh, you look like you just have it all put together. And, and, um, actually a, a good friend of mine said that to me recently. And ever since then I was like, oh my God, is this the fucking message that I'm portraying on my social media? Cause this is not true. I'm the most unput together, you know, functioning adult there is, you know, that not there is, but you know, like there is, um, but it's just, it's easier for women too to just put the mask on because it's just kind of expected, you know, and you just kind of are raised to just kind of like do things, you know, but you're, it is. you're all fucking all over the place, but you can't say anything. No. And the thing is like, it's, it's up here. It's in your head. Yeah. It's not external. And like, sometimes it's built into the external and that's when someone's like, well, you need a break, and you're like, "Fuck you!" Yeah. <laughs> Usually, yeah. you lash out in anger because they like caught you, yeah. like in in the swirl of in the, the moment. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, like, can you just fucking not look at me right now? <laughs> yeah, can you just can you just stop breathing for just five minutes, yeah. please, please? Um, messy put together. I yeah, I, I fucking when you said that, I was like, oh, that really, I fucking resonate with that shit. <laughs> um. So now, now you've, you've learned a lot about yourself and now you have a tiny human. So I do, um, do you guys like, are you guys like best friends? Cause you guys totally understand each other now. Pretty much like my husband will feel like he's not like involved. I was going to ask about that too. Like, (laughs) how does he feel? Like, is he like that too? Like, are you guys on like a different spectrum? Like, how does that. So my husband 100%. My, my husband is 100% not autistic. I can tell you that much. Um, and he's definitely not. He's got some ADHD things, but he doesn't have the loud brain part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause we were talking about that the other night. I think it was when we were watching Dahmer maybe. And he got upset at me um, for Googling stuff. Cause like, you're going to spoil it. And I'm like, it's not actually spoiling it. This is actually enjoyable for me to read about it at the same time we're watching it. Uh-huh. Um, so just, yes, just, yes. Just let me let, do it. Let me do it because my brain is asking a lot of questions Yes, and I'm too impatient to wait to watch it. I'm I'll be excited when it happens because my brain will make that connection and it'll be like, fuck yeah, it yeah. happened. Yeah. I now know, but like, I need to read. And he's like, yeah. dude, can't you just like, sit? no, no, I can't just, I can't, I can't just sit there. And he'll always tell me that I need to like relax. But like this man, he does some of the tendencies, like he put something on the counter, doesn't know where he left it, but I have a photographic memory so I can close my eyes and tell him where it was. Yes. Uh, 
<laughs> and then, um, and I always did really good in school because of my photographic memory. Yes. And, the way, and like, uh, my Can notes, my, don't study. my notes are, no, don't study. I, my don't studying was me reading yes. or me writing in class. That's all I had to do. And I got such good grades, except for in chemistry, but we're not talking about that today. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> Collectively, we got good grades. Yeah. Like I had a three point something, whatever, same thing in college. And when I graduated, like in sociology, it was like 4.0 because it was shit I was hella interested in. Yeah. The brain, how it works, how, how you I was like, like, hell yeah. So he has these like little quirks, I would like to say, but he doesn't have the like hyperactivity part of it or like the really noisy brain part of it. And he definitely does not have my obsession for information at all. Um, but he is extremely patient with my son. And I think like me learning more has shed so much more light on his behaviors that we're able to explain what's happening in the moment. Like I was so happy to figure this out for myself because for years I had had these like what I'd like to call episodes. And it was literally where I felt so overwhelmed with emotions or something that like literally it came out as like hysterical crying and freaking out. Sometimes I would throw things. Sometimes I would like slam doors or hit things. But like it had to have this huge emotional release. And I didn't understand that what was happening like until literally last year, these were autistic meltdowns. And as I saw them happening in my son, I began realizing that there was actually something I could do to help him by noticing those small little things that happened. And then I've taught my husband that like COVID was a shit show, right? When we were closed, but I learned so much about myself and my son during that time that I'm actually able to help him navigate in ways that I was never able to do that. Like I was just taught to be quiet, keep it internal. And that's what I did. And that's what leads to all of these like meltdowns. You get overstimulated um, and then you just lose it. And it was that part of motherhood. Cause like, I swear, like when they're little and they're crying and you can't do a damn thing or they're trying to talk to you and you have no idea what they're saying. Like you're both so frustrated in the moment that we're both having meltdowns at the same time. And that was the hardest part of COVID. But now we hardly ever have them because we understand where he's coming from and that he's just feeling emotions and he needs to understand the emotions he's feeling and safe ways to deal with them and safe ways to feel them. And also understanding like this, this dude got ear uh, like little earmuffs yesterday. Mm -hmm. He's obsessed with them. Yeah. He's like, now he wants to vacuum yeah. because he is not overstimulated by the sound because extremely auditorily overstimulated very easily. Mm -hmm. And like, we've just learned all of these like different things. Like I've always been told I was quirky and it's really interesting to find out that your quirkiness is just your neurodivergence. But the people in my life that have given me the most space are some form of neurodivergence. And like most of my friends, I would say the ones that are close are some form of neurodivergence because it's the same thing. We just get each other and we just create safe spaces. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I was just realizing I was answering the question about whether or not my husband feels left out. Uh, sometimes, yes. But some, sometimes he's like, y'all are fucking melting down. I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, rightfully so, though, I, I think, too, like hearing about your system, you, one of you both cannot be in the same field. Oh, God, 
one has to be the calmer one and the other one, you know, can be the quote unquote quirky one. I've always hated that term quirky. Right. Yeah. It's kind of like it's racist isn't the word, but it's it's like adjectivist, you know, like I, I think that, that word is used to describe people that are like you know I have to look it up right now, right? Yeah. Because if I <laughs> Aaron, I I'm trying I'm trying to contain myself because it is <laughs> how similar we are. Okay, quirky is characterized by peculiar or unexpected traits. So it's similar to eccentric, idiosyncratic, unconventional, unorthodox. So yeah, it's it's othered. Mm-hmm. And that's the gross part of that word mm-hmm. that we don't like is it's like you are you're not you're so different normal mm-hmm. you're so different it's unexpected it's just different but yeah like the standard of normal i i truly i would love to fucking know the standard of normal because if some of y'all standard of normal mm, i don't know about all that um and I, you know it's all subjective and relative and whatever but i think that's something like as a kid growing up like that's one thing i struggled with is just being called quirky or the weird girl because yeah. i was loud and i you said the episodes thing and i'm like oh my gosh like the <laughs> the amount of times that my therapist, when I was, you know, cause I got forced into therapy because I was outbursting, you know, mm. she's angry. She's just angry. That's all she's yeah. angry. And it was just these manic, not manic, but manic episodes of just outbursts. And yeah, I was told by my therapist to hit the, a tree in our backyard with a metal baseball bat. I like it to alleviate I mean, that, that poor tree though. But what's that? Oh God. That I poor God, tree. fucking know. But the analogy, though, kind of made sense to me. And I understand, like, now, like, hearing what you're saying and just now as an adult kind of understanding this stuff, when you hit it with a metal bat, you're able to feel the vibrations through your hands and you feel it on your mm-hmm. body. So you're able to understand the kind of pain that you can cause, right? Mm-hmm. But in, in retrospect, it's kind of it's kind of um, detrimental to me because I think that I'm just causing a lot of pain by being who I am. Mm-hmm. You know who I am? You know what I mean? Yeah. When in reality, what's happening is you potentially didn't learn this is my experience so i didn't learn how to navigate emotions Mm -hmm. i didn't learn how to properly process them Mm -hmm. um and i didn't learn different coping techniques for emotions Mm -hmm. and instead i just learned to shove it down and the shitty thing with emotions positive negative whatever it's going to boil over and obviously society is way more accepting of positive emotions boiling over extreme happiness crying because you're happy like all of that stuff like screaming because you're happy but like if you're doing it out of frustration or anger or hurt well now you're mentally ill and we don't want to actually see that Mm -hmm. there's only certain acceptable emotions that you can really emote to the full level Mm -hmm. And then otherwise you're just not accepted. And that, that is a tough thing to realize, um, growing up in this, in the world, you know? Um, and I think what's beautiful now is that there, you yourself, like you've gone on this journey to figure out things for yourself and like, but the thing is you're older, right? So you're almost, you're almost 40, like like your whole life up until like five years ago. Fucking rude. Yeah, fucking rude of just being like, la, 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 la. like, I'm just a little bit different and I'm going to exist a little bit and mm-hmm. I'm going to do this and do that and I'll be fine, you know. But, um, I will say, like, fortunately, I'm 26 and I was able to kind of get a grip on that a little bit earlier. 
Um, and I, I know I'm, and now I'm rambling too. I'm like, I don't even know where I was going with this. La, la, la. You know, <laughs> um, but it'll circle back. It'll click. <laughs> it will. It will. The, the beauty in the fact that you are so open about your, your journey and like where you've, how you've gotten to this realization, like your story, yeah. your son, like your, your husband and everything, like understanding yourself and now using a social platform uh, to educate about it. I think the advantage that you do have is that you're older and that you can choose to change. You can choose mm-hmm. to allow this to make this to be your superpower instead of making this the one thing that cripples you. Um, yeah. I'm all about, you know, you have a choice, right? You can choose to either grow or be safe. And that's saying yeah. you can't use them in tandem, but often safety just means complacency. And you're just kind of complacent in what you're feeling. And you're kind of just okay with things, but growing a, requires mm-hmm. a level of kind of digging deeper, mm-hmm. paying attention to your surroundings, like looking at your son and being like, huh, there's a lot of me and him mm-hmm. doing is a little bit different. How do I deal with this? And then boom, you're like, oh my God, mm-hmm. that's, that's what's going on. And it just kind of helps you. But regardless, um, I co- totally lost my train of thought, but um, I, I think it's, this is not good to have two people doing <laughs> and this is, we need a, we need a, a co-person to reel it in. A mediator. Yeah, a fucking media. I took, I took my vacation this morning. I did too, but I'm still like. I know, I know. Hey, will you get, when you, I, okay. So I get a little, not weird about calling myself neurodivergent because I don't yeah. want to mis, mislabel myself. Mm-hmm. Um, can you explain what that is? Like, what is being neuro, neurodivergent? Um, so neurodivergent in like the most general sense of the term just refers to anyone who is not quote unquote neurotypical. So anyone whose brain functions slightly differently than a neurotypical brain. Um, there are some theories out there that neurodivergent brains are actually part of the evolutionary thing that's happening to humans and that this will eventually become the new default. Um, but a lot of things, like if you think about anybody who has sensory issues, that is a neurodivergent thing. Anybody whose brain works faster, makes different connections, um, like they've studied the way that the ADHD brain lights up, the way that the autistic brain lights up. Um, and those are the main two that we're kind of like talking about. Um, when we're talking about neurodivergence, but it's just that the brain processes information differently um, and handles it differently. So if your brain is like, and I feel like that's the most complicated part about my brain is that it's doing both of these things at the same time. There's like a part of my brain that needs to be extremely stimulated. Mm -hmm. So when I would tell people in college that I was listening to music at the same time that I'm writing and they're like, but you're not typing the words that you hear and you're not singing along. And I'm like, no, I'm doing all of that. And I'm writing at the same time and it actually helps. And they're like, well, I need complete silence. And I'm like, that sounds like torture. Jesus, I can't do that. I need multiple stimulations. But then I also teeter on the edge because if I'm watching something on TV and then there's another auditory, especially if it's someone talking, it's not music. Mm-hmm. You're going to get the like meanest side eye because you now have pushed me into overstimulation mm-hmm. because my brain wants to hear those two things at the same time and input them, but it can't. 
And even if you're someone who has like an auditory processing disorder, which I definitely do, uh, my husband has just learned to wait. Like if you ask me a question, like don't ask me again, just wait because my brain will catch up. I'm going to say, huh, at first, because it's a learned response. Just ignore that. Just let it, it'll click. Just let it click. And it's only with language. It's not with uh, like sounds and other things like that. Cause I also have like crazy sonar hearing that I can find the squirrel. My next door neighbor's like tall pine tree, mm-hmm. but it's pretty much your brain is going to process information differently. Um, and it's going to potentially have an effect on sensory for you is neurodivergence, but okay. it, it'll expand into like all different parts of your life. Right. Okay. All right. Well then I'm neurodivergent. You're neurodivergent. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. All those things. I have to have earbuds when I'm doing mm-hmm. shit. I have to, uh, I think I, I think I saw one of your posts and it was like how to help. And it said, put air po- or put earbuds when you're working. And yep. it's funny. Cause I, I, Oh my God, this is fucking hilarious. I was texting Jason, which is my boyfriend, and I've been telling him I've been trying to find different ways on how to deal with my ADHD, just not trying to be medicated all the time because mm-hmm. I don't necessarily want to be dependent on on medication. And so I was just trying different things, and I haven't. It's crazy. I haven't really done a lot of research. Just a lot of like me just trying out my own shit because exactly right. ADHD, neuro, neurodivergence, and autism, and all that stuff just looks different for everybody. Mm-hmm. There's really not a lot of resources, so I'm not just going to Google a bunch of shit because it's, it's not nothing's going to pop up, you know. And I'm a big advocate for Google because I fucking Google everything and I have to know everything <laughs> about everything. So I totally like when you said, I'm gonna look it up. And I was like, I was going to too. Stop it. <laughs> so, um, but so I randomly one day and just put AirPods in my, in my ears yeah. and I walked around everywhere. And I realized I was like, oh my God, I can, I can focus. And I remember I texted out his mm-hmm. epiphany. I was like, holy shit. If I put music in my ears, I can grocery shop without distraction. I can write, yep. I can edit content. I can do this. I can do that. I can do this. And he's like, wow, you know, that's really exciting. It's, it's exciting news for you. And so now it's just, it's just really cute thing. Cause I'm the same way with TV. TV is yeah. one of those things that I, I cannot, you cannot speak to me while TV is going on mm-hmm. because it's too much. It's just, I'm like, ah! and it, it's, it's cute, but he can tell he's like, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll, I'll wait. Cause he knows right. I cannot, I'm like, this is too much. Like I can't, I cannot process what you're trying to fucking say to me. Um, so now we do this thing that if I want to, I usually like to sit and edit next to him and I'll put my AirPods in yeah. to be on, but we just won't talk and I'll just edit and be able to do all these things all at once. Yep. You know? um, I guess like it's, it's really sure. That's the behavior. Did you know that? What's that? That's called parallel play. It's called what? Parallel play. So uh, it's kind of like a love language for neurodivergence. So if you've ever really enjoyed or spent quality time with someone and you're both doing something different in the same room, huh? that's called parallel play. Parallel, parallel play. It kept glitching. Yeah. Parallel. parallel. And there's also something called body doubling, which I use all the time and I didn't know that I was doing it. What's that? Body doubling is when you use another person to complete a task that is difficult for you. So every two weeks when I pay myself, because I pay myself like I'm a corporation, (laughs) um, because again, if I don't have a system, I'm not going to fucking do it. So every two weeks on my pay week, I have a two hour meeting with one of my besties who lives in Kansas City and we go over our budgets. 
And budgeting and money has always been really hard for me because it's like out of sight, out of mind. It's this like weird concept. Like, and if I'm not checking my bank account all the time, it's just, it's crazy. So like, I also really like Chime Bank because it like notifies me on all kinds of different stuff. So it keeps me in the know with what's going on with my money. So I enjoy that. But that's, I digress again. But body doubling helps me get tasks done that I really hate doing because we're both committed to this time to do it every two weeks. So I do the thing that's hard, which is budgeting with her, which is also hard for her. And she also has ADHD. So it just gives us a space to do the things that we don't like doing. And we hold each other accountable. And it's not like we're yelling at each other, but it's just like, hey, this time is designated for that. And my brain knows that, hey, you got to do it. Why not ask for help? Yeah. Um, cool. Um, and there might like information overload. I'm like, oh my God, this is such an amazing conversation. I've really talked to you for fucking hours at this point. Um, so now that everyone's kind of gotten uh, a little bit of an inside look about our neurodivergence and Aaron yeah. is, is on, you're on the spectrum, correct? Yeah. Okay. Um, now that we've kind of got like a good background about Aaron and neurodivergence, cause I'm learning that as well. Um, and again, Aaron has been teaching me a lot about this on her, through her pages and has honestly just helped me feel very at peace. Like, I feel like I'm talking to myself right now. I feel like I'm, yeah. I'm just, I'm like, oh my God, like we're the same people. Like you won't get mad at me because I'm like, you know, no. um, or like little accents that I do. And it, I will say, and I want to, you know, move into like some business parts of this. Cause I, yeah. I, I want to hear your thoughts about this, but just personally, I've struggled a lot with um the industry because mm -hmm. you wouldn't think that you would because it is such a creative industry and it does you know require this level of creativity but with customer with I shouldn't say customer service but being a service-based industry you struggle a lot with not being like this cookie cutter person because a lot of people that you see are the opposite side of this right yeah so something that I've struggled with and even with like brands and I've in anybody for that matter is acceptance is accepting who you are as an individual and your superpowers, because they are your superpowers. And also mm -hmm. side note, before I continue this, when you said earlier that, you know, like this is going to be the way of the world eventually. Yeah. I always tell my clients that maybe like that usually open up about their children with autism. Right. And I always tell yeah. them like, superpower and that realistically they are smarter than us because mm -hmm. they have access to parts of their brain that we don't. Yep. So realistically, they have the upper hand. We are the idiots, you know? Yep. Uh, cause we can't speak what they speak. We can't think the way that they think. And they're definitely way more progressive cognitively than we are. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's really interesting. Cause I've been saying that for years, just it's like a way to kind of bring inclusivity to it. Cause a lot of people are like, mm -hmm. Ooh, and I'm like, okay, it's just a word. Right. With it, you know? Um, but it's, it's awesome to hear that, like that, that is kind of like evolution. Cause it is, they have, a, they have more of an advantage than we do. Mm -hmm. you know, they have access to things that we don't, but anyway, yeah. um, so with the hair industry, um, the biggest thing that I've struggled with, with myself and being on this, being not neurodivergent, being ADHD and recently diagnosed, um, is acceptance and kind of accepting who you are as an individual and getting acceptance from other people and brands and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So what's that, what's that been like for you? Like how, and this kind of goes into our next question. How did you get comfortable mm -hmm. talking about this on a, on the social platform? Um, 
I actually started to have clients who I had had for years talk about their children, their experience with neurodivergence, started having more conversations with them. Um, I had one client who was new to me who actually had filled out my form and she just put that she would like to be a little bit more quiet and like to read. And then she comes into my space. She takes a look at everything in there and it's, you know, it's a little witchy in there. And then she's like, Oh, I put that on the form because I'm autistic and I know most people aren't that cool. She's like, but I feel like I could be safe here. And I was like, fuck yeah, you're safe here. Do what you need to do. You tell me what I can do to make this space comfortable for you. And like through so many different conversations with these people, I realized there's a lot of us. And the more that we talk about it and I just kind of observed um, because before I opened my studio, I was a manager of a really popular salon. We had two locations in Sacramento. Um, and at one point we had 16 staff members. And so I trained a lot of different people and I learned a lot about bouncing around and using different techniques to talk to people. But I commonly found that like a lot of us were having the same struggles because a lot of our brains were working differently and that we never really put a like a pin on it, like, oh, that's what it is. And I come from like the thought of it does me no good and it does you no good to just pretend that everything's fucking okay. Like the more vulnerable we are, the more transparent we are, the more genuine connections we actually have. And I think just having those conversations all the time behind the chair, I was like, well, shit, like, I know there's all these different things that I've watched my coworkers do and myself do that I know is neurodivergent behavior in the salon. And I want to start normalizing it in whatever fashion that is, because there's going to be people who are going to do really well in a salon that's super loud, super busy, like buzzing around because that's their, how their neurodivergence presents. It's very busy, talkative, blah, blah, blah. And then with myself being like more autistic and like kind of how I was raised was just be a little bit more quiet and be internalized. Everything is like in my head. I do want to cut people off all the time, but I also don't know when the appropriate time to speak is. So it just, I don't know. I just really believe in the power of building community. Um, and I just think there's so much power in vulnerability. I talk a lot about <clears throat> vulnerability and that was the whole point of the fucking mentality is vulnerability or human connection causes hu human vulnerability. You have to be vulnerable to create connection and in order to create connections, you need to be vulnerable and it kind of goes in tandem. And that's the, that's the number one question that I get asked as a stylist who clearly both of us are successful. And I would say that the underlying uh, attributing factor to that is vulnerability. It yeah. is people don't go to you because you're good. They don't go to you because you're a hairdresser. They go to you because of who you are. Yeah, 100%. Speaking to your girl who's who's on the, who's autistic and, you know, she, granted, she didn't know and she was able to take that chance. But I'm sure as soon as she learned that you too are also on the spectrum. Mm -hmm. You guys can be on the spectrum together. You guys create a safe mm -hmm. space. The whole hair aspect kind of goes out the window and now she's connected to you. Yep. 
And I think with that, the the thing that everyone needs to listen to this is in order to cre- honestly, in order to create a successful business, regardless of your hair or whatever the case may be, you are dealing with a business that is direct to consumer. The number mm-hmm. one key to success is vulnerability. Yep. And, and it's not to shame anybody who's not, and it's not to shame anybody who's not open about that kind of stuff. But I'm here to tell you, if you want to live a fruitful career and a fruitful life, you have to open up. You have to let people in. You have to be willing to shed a part of you to other people and to create those connections because those people will find somebody else if you don't. You know, oh, they like, totally will. Humans naturally are connected to you. You know, they don't just go to you. They're not, we're not robots. Like we feel things, you know, we feel more compelled to this person's shampoo versus mm-hmm. this person's because the other person's told a story regardless if it's more expensive and regardless if it's harder to get, it's the story right. that was told. It was the vulnerability that was shared. Um, and I think, you know, I, I would, I would say like, this is your why, like, this is why this is why you're in this. I was literally going to read you my why statement because I pulled it out. Okay. Yeah. pull it. Yeah. Come on, pull it out. Let me know. Because if anyone doesn't know this about me, you should already know that I'm a Simon Sinek stan. Um, so uh, love him. If you haven't watched his YouTube videos, please watch a few of them. Um, but he wrote the, oh, Jason. I have a lot of books, by the way. The Find Your Why. This is the Find Your Why workbook. Um, and the statement, so I went through this in August with my co-stylist because anybody who works for me, you're going to do a why statement. But my why statement is to create a safe space so that people can flourish and grow to be the best versions of themselves. But you hit the nail on the head, Lisa. Because my why for my son and for my family is the same thing. Mm-hmm. It is to create a safe space so that he can flourish and be the best version of himself. Mm-hmm. That's it. Were you, um, and this is a total side note, but were you given yeah. that space uh, growing up? Fuck no. Yeah. I didn't think so. I hate to say that, but I didn't think so. Anybody who makes that a priority in their lives, there's no way in hell that they did. Yeah, I agree. Because it, it's the norm. Mm-hmm. So, like, they would just automatically do that. And then they would have some other amazing thing. So, like, I can't even imagine, like, the impact that my son will have on this world um, having had a safe space. Mm-hmm. Like, this, the sky's the limit for this dude. I'm so excited for him. Whatever the hell he does. As long as he gets to be him, like, fuck yeah, dude. Who cares? Do it. Um, my why, I used to own a salon in Delaware and I owned it uh, from 19 to 26. Had it for fucking six years. Long time. Seven years. Do it. You owned a business at 19. Um, <laughs> hey, that's on trauma. <laughs> um, that's on lack of six spaces. Um <laughs> But no, I, I owned it from 19 to 26 and it was absolutely incredible. And, and to hear you say like to create a safe space so people can grow and flourish. Uh, that was my why when I, when I had it, well, it evolved into that. Yeah. Um, and before I, before I opened it or sorry, before I, before I closed it, that was something that when I left Delaware and I, the reason why I kept it open was to give a safe place for my clients and my stylist to yeah. flourish, just to grow. Like I didn't give a fuck what you did. I don't care. As long as you create safety with people and you create uh, a place for people to be comfortable. And as soon as they walk through the door, their worries melt away and they just feel open and honest with you. That's Mm -hmm. all I really care about. I don't care how you do it though. You know? Um, And I think 
safety doesn't come often and it um it's it's so it's so I don't feel as alone anymore knowing that there are other people in this industry that are not just in it for the money that they're yeah. in it to actually create the safety that they care about the psychological aspect that it that, like people always say like oh you know you're sorry that's so obnoxiously loud if you can hear that um um people always say like oh you're not a medical professional like you don't save lives and it's like you have no fucking clue the psychological aspect that we deal with on a day-to-day basis dude, dude. Like we have to, I had one of my clients who's a therapist who actually came in and she, at my last salon did a training for us on, um, fuck that, I just had a brain fart, it was going to be there. Oh, compassion fatigue. Because a lot of what happens with hairstylists is people create these like emotional connections with us as individuals. We become their therapists, their confidants. We like help people through these hard parts of their lives. And sometimes we take that home with us. And it actually is detrimental to ourselves because we're not trained medical professionals. But some of the stuff that's brought to us is damn near therapy, if not like clinical psychiatry shit. And like we have to be able to know how to create that safe space for ourselves too, and know what to do in those instances when someone does bring something really heavy our way, because it's going to happen. It's bound to happen. can you hear that no you don't hear that at all like i'll randomly hear like a burn okay but it's not consistent so loud what is it this guy outside my window is doing um leaf blower the hedges uh, i know and i'm like can you hurry the fire <laughs> like you really gotta do that right now like right now Okay. Like right now, right now. Perfect. Okay. Um, yeah, there's, there's a, there's a lot with, with hairdressing that I, my, my brand now is to kind of bring awareness to is the, again, the psychological aspect about being a hairdresser. Cause I, I've, I've, I've come in, I've done it. Okay. Like, and I both, you and I both can agree with this. We've done it. Like I've been doing it yeah. for 10 years. I'm 26. I'm very, very young. I started in the industry when I was a child, essentially. Um, I, I've i been doing it for a while. I'm licensed for eight, but in the game for 10. I could care less about just doing hair. I just, I don't care anymore. I love yeah. my job and I love, I love doing hair, don't get me wrong. But what intrigues me more is a psychological, psychological aspect. And there, there's a lot more to this industry than what people lead on. And mm-hmm. so now my, my mission statement now, my why has kind of shifted into how can I shed more light on the psychological aspect about being a stylist? Um, Cause I don't ever, I, I love education as well. And I, I started with educating and I started, you know, teaching techniques and shit like that. And it got boring real quick. Cause oh, I, yeah. felt, I felt like I was just being like everybody else. And I have mm-hmm. this weird thing with me. I refuse to do anything that will put me in the same category as anybody else. In that Ooh. regard, yeah. In that regard, um, not that I don't want to create community because I absolutely do, but not in the sense of copy and pasting. Mm-hmm. It seems easy. Um, I like a challenge, you know. And now my my mission, now that I'm learning about other stylists that are just like this, is to help teach younger stylists 
get a hold of this before the the industry gets a hold of you. Right. Have because you, it will. It it will. Have you had yeah. have you had any moments where you've kind of like let you not say like guard down, but kind of let that uh that true side of you go to the wayside and like that business side come back out and you felt burnt out from it? Oh yeah, all the time. Mm-hmm. Um like back when I was managing the salon, there was a couple different instances where I felt so focused on someone else's success that in their trajectory that like, I didn't think about what I was contributing to it. I was just kind of copying and pasting and teaching like general like techniques for newer stylists and getting them on board. And it just felt like very monotonous and it just felt very like, I don't know, like not me. And I reached a point where I was like, okay, I think I'm going to have to do my own thing as much as I love working for these people and love working here. I think I'm going to have to do my own thing. A, I want to be closer to my house. I don't want to have to drive to Midtown. I'm lazy. And two, I I think I kind of see things differently. And I really want to push the importance of like mental health within our space and also creating that like safe environment because even though I had been with that company for how many years I'd been there and even though I had done like all of these different things to kind of change their culture and create like awesome things and programs within it it was still like there was part of me that was still performing and masking and not being myself all the time and I felt like the only way I could be myself all the time was to work for myself Because as long as you're performing for someone else, and that includes your clients, then you're not performing for you anymore. Yeah, there's a level of masking that is required to kind of be a part of a team. Mm -hmm. Um, And that I I don't really want to say this, but it's just part of where I'm at at this point. Um, I started alone and I loved it. And then I grew a team. Um, I shut down my salon because it just, a lot of discrepancies, a lot of lack of communication. Um, there was a lot of jealousy cause I left. Um, so I had to close it down and now I'm a part of a team again. And while I know that the universe is just challenging me cause it knows that I'm ready for it. I mean, obviously it would not put me in this position if I wasn't. But I would be damned if it is not the most challenging thing to put a mask on when I've already been comfortable being Lisa. Yeah. And to walk into a situation and be um, mindful of others when they are not mindful of me. Right. And it's hard because the position I'm in, I'm I'm in management and I'm a director. um, And it's just, it's very difficult to be to go, it's like 10 steps forward, like, fuck yeah. But then Mm -hmm. it's 11 steps back. Yeah. You know, and it's kind of finding your way in that little niche, but it's, I'll be damned, dude. If being alone is not the most rewarding thing is being with me neurodivergent because you're just safer that way. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then you get stuck in like this idea of like, is it complacent? Am I not challenging myself? So it's this like internal struggle of, not only like being on this, being neurodivergent, but also being such a headstrong geg- go-getter and being so career-driven and just my mm-hmm. career is my identity. 
that they, they go like this. Yeah. And I'm like, go, 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 go push yourself to the limit. Cause that's the only thing that I know. But then like the inner child, little Lisa, neurodivergent Lisa, baby Lisa is like, what the fuck? I am tired. And I'm like, no, yeah. no, shut up, you know, keep going. You know? So it's like this stupid thing that now that I'm later on in my career, I led with this, this mask. And now this neurodivergence kind of coming, kind of coming behind it. And I'm still in the newer phases of it. Um, yeah. So there's not as much, I don't say there's not as much, not as much acceptance, but there isn't. And I know it's just, it just needs to grow into each other. Yeah. Finding that balance is, oh, it's so hard. It is. It really is. And like, I knew that I was such a pivotal part of that team. Um, and they're still functioning without me in a different way, in a different capacity. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. But like, I did one year working by myself and then my demand got crazy. And I also was kind of like, damn, I miss teaching. Mm-hmm. But I miss teaching in the way that I like to teach, mm-hmm. which is much more mentorship, um, one-on-one kind of growth, uh, way less like just a class kind of teaching. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, that's it. I'm hiring a co-stylist. And she's been on board for over seven months now. She's like really thriving. She's growing her clientele. I love watching her make these like clicks because um, my mode of teaching is I'm going to show you, we're going to do it together. I want you to experiment. Um, I want you to fail. Like I literally told her this with her first like day. I was like, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to fail. I'm like, but you're going to fail in a safe place. Mm-hmm. Like, please fuck up all the doll heads you can. Please fuck up any swatches you can. Fuck up all my old extension hair. I don't give a shit. Like mess that stuff up so bad that you learn a lesson before you do it on someone's head because then you're you're going to feel so much more confident and she's she's now reached that point where she's starting to have these moments where she's trusting herself and she's making decisions on her own and it's absolutely beautiful and like the feedback that I've gotten from her which is like made me tear up all the damn time mm-hmm. is that she's never had a boss who let her be herself so much and where she felt comfortable to do that and to be that vulnerable. And I'm like, well, I'm glad that I can provide that space, but that's exactly what I want to do. And like, she's nervous for when we reach the point where we're going to hire someone else and grow. And I'm like, I, I get your, your, like your feelings about that, but it's going to be the same thing. It's going to have to be someone that like both of us get along with and both of us are able to work and flow with and we don't have to agree on everything mm-hmm. but we have to always have the same common goal to like move forward and create this safe space that always has to be at like the center of it mm-hmm. um, and like my old boss always had this like amazing analogy she's like you know we're going to be on a bus to Disneyland and if at any point you feel like I'm not heading towards Disneyland anymore you can get off the bus or if you decide you want to go to like Knott's Berry Farm which you know uh, if you're nostalgic, you can go there, I guess. <laughs> then stop off at Knott's Berry Farm. And like, it's okay. Like if things change, things change. But always understand that there's going to be a lot of different like vetting that I'm going to do for someone. Um, I'm looking for certain things in team members in the future. Like I'm looking for people who want to genuinely be themselves. Um in an approachable, funny slash professional manner. But 
don't know. I think that like a lot of salon culture and a lot of like corporate business culture is extremely toxic and kind of eats away at the soul. If you always try to be like everybody else and copy paste what everyone else is doing versus if you just lean into what your true interests are and the things that really light you up. Um, so I always tell her like, follow your curiosity because it's never going to disappoint you. There's always going to be something. Curiosity. I can't spell. Uh, yeah. I just, it's funny. Every, every time you speak, I just, I don't really know what to say to you. <laughs> I'm like, wow. Yeah. Like, you're absolutely right though. Um, Girl, I feel like I could do a TED talk. Do, fuck, same. Just <laughs> on and on and on about, and I, I try not to talk too much in the interviews because I just want you guys to talk, obviously. Yeah. Um, but I, the more that I've been talking with people that, again, that are like me and kind of helping me speak and helping me kind of process what other people, other people say, um, the more I just get more comfortable with myself and the more mm -hmm. I, um, the more that the, the podcast has kind of shifted yeah. to, into like almost just like a talk, like a talk show in a way. Um, cause I could, I could, I feel like we need a separate episode to talk about <laughs> just the industry. Oh yeah. Hell yeah. I, and I would love <laughs> to do an, an episode to get Aaron on and like all of us just yeah. talk about the industry as neurodivergence and as people who are creative and are just mm -hmm. a little bit different than the standard, um, Ulta, uh, uh, great clips and there's yep. nothing wrong with it but it just doesn't serve a purpose to us. And it's unfortunate because we don't judge them, but we constantly get judged by them. Oh yeah. Um, I'm not going to keep rambling on. Cause I, again, we definitely need to do a separate episode about this. <laughs> this was such an awesome conversation. Um, anyone who's listening to this, I hope you know that being neurodivergent, being autistic, being ADHD, being ADD, being anything for that matter is literally just a superpower. It's important that we get, to, we need to lean into ourselves and use ourselves as, as our staples, as our pieces. Like, why do people sit in our chair? Why are you self-made? Why are you an entrepreneur? Why do you work this way? Understanding why you work the way that you work and understanding that, you know, this is just who I am and accepting who you are will give you that much better of a fruitful career. Because once you've realized this, you'll start to be like, okay, well, fuck you. I'm doing me. You know, with or without you, I'm going to keep going because this is who I am. This is what I have to offer. And this is, this is, this is just the reality of, of me, you know? Um, and I, I hope that as the industry starts to change, and I feel like the industry is changing quite a bit, that uh, psychology is going to be a little bit more respected with our industry. And people are going to be willing to talk about that because it, it's a huge factor to our jobs and with creating connections and, and stuff like that. So any baby stylists that are listening to this, and there is a ton that listen to this, take it from us, okay? You can do hair all day long. I promise you, there will be more money to be made. There, you will have time. You will have, you will have the clients. You will have the photos to take, whatever the case may be. But the one thing you can never get back is your mental health. Always remembering, put yourself first. And just don't do shit because people are telling you to do it. Do shit because you want to not because you have to. And of course, there's going to be situations where you're going to have to do some stuff. And absolutely. But there's a difference between constantly working to fulfill 
society standards versus filling your own. And the thing that I wish I would have done, but now I do now is I've created my own standards. What do I want to fulfill? What does Lisa want? How does Lisa work? How, what will make me happy? You know, and I've been able to take a step back and create a brand out of it, which is incredible. But if to save anybody the heartache, you know, that we both have gone through, take a step back now before it gets too hot and heavy. Don't get sucked into what everybody else does. Be you, be an individual, be who you want to be. Um, so that kind of leads me into my, our last tangent, you know? Yeah. Um, if you could give any advice, what would it be? And it doesn't necessarily have to be geared, geared stylist. It's just Mm -hmm. advice. Oh shit. Um, it's kind of tied into kind of what you're talking about. And then what I said before, always follow your curiosity. Like I have had so many different careers in my life and, This is the one I've stuck with the longest because I followed a curiosity I had at a young age, finally. And the caveat to that is while you follow your curiosity, you also need to know what your values are and know what your deal breakers are and really stick to them. If someone or something wants you to go against your, like, say, your core values and it's, you know, your family personal time, uh, your mental health, like if it goes against those things, don't do it. If it's in alignment with those things, then dive head first and give it all you got. But if something starts to feel funky, cause it's, it's feeling funky cause it's going against your values. Listen to that and make a change. Don't be afraid to pivot. Um, because you can change your life by just sticking with your values. Um, <clears throat> with uh, bigger the the bigger the risk, the the bigger the reward. So don't be afraid to put it. Um, there's life is all about chances, right? Like life's life's all about choices and chances, and just kind of you get to, the big thing that. I wish I was told is you get to dictate whatever the fuck it is you want to do. You know, Mm -hmm. you don't have to do anything that anyone tells you to do. You don't have to follow standards. You don't have to be like everybody else. Do whatever your little heart desires. I I said to Jason, if when we ever decide to have kids, if our child wants to be a trash man, we're going to let him be a trash man. And he's going to be the best goddamn trash man there is. They work early hours. They're union. They get great money. Hey, they get good money like my son's obsessed with the trash man and i'm like baby you want to be a trash man you do it Let's do it right fuel that inner where's wear your sunscreen though yeah because we pasty okay yeah and maybe, your maybe a little bit of deodorant yes please you do get sweaty yeah and stinky but anyway <laughs> sensories uh, <laughs> don't be afraid to pivot you know don't be afraid to to put your foot down and say no to things and not every no means no, not sometimes no means yes. And sometimes those no's actually gear you and put you into the right direction. Mm-hmm. Or uh, it's like a not yet. It's a what? It's a not yet. It's a, it's a not yet. Yes, exactly. So to not look at the industry as like this big, scary thing. But I think the the moral of this, like her and I both, what we're saying is, again, follow your curiosity. If something mm-hmm. is intriguing you, go for it. If it's not, 
there is no yes or no answer with with doing hair. It's creativity. It's art. It's objective. It's perspective. It's, it's these things. So if there's anything to to take away from this is do what every little heart desires. Lean into every little nook and cranny that you have to offer. Lean into everything that your body is literally telling you to do. Because the more you ignore it, the more it's going to cause pain. And that pain is sometimes irreversible. And that pain is sometimes, well, not sometimes, is almost an indescribable. You can't explain it to people. Yeah. So if you want to be true to you and true to yourself and live this fruitful career, regardless of your hair, anything for that matter, an entrepreneur, being self-made, whatever, just be true to you. It's exciting to be who you want to be. It's exciting to say that I am ADHD and I am neurodivergent and I do take medication because I have to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll be damned if I, if I'm not the happiest little like two-year-old, you know, like I fucking have, I, I just <laughs> got, um, you would appreciate this. Yes. Let's see what you got. I just got this, this box to create content for this brand and it's fucking art supplies. <laughs> and they, they literally said in the thing, they're like, Oh, like we're looking for kids. I'm like, well, I'm 26. Is that still funny? <laughs> and you best believe. Within 10 minutes of me getting it, I made a little doohickey. Oh, my God. How fun, you know? It is so cute. And I, I did that without judgment, like, without the fear of, oh, God, you know, people are going to think I'm so weird because I'm playing with a child's toy. Like, no, fuck that, man. This shit makes me happy. So I'm going to do it. Guess what? If I channel my inner creativity, I'm going to be a better creative on social. And I love social media. I really do. Social media has allowed me to meet people like you and allowed me to really just dive into that creative side of myself. And that's Mm -hmm. a side that wasn't really channeled before, you know, before Mm -hmm. social media. I mean, it was in a different regard, but that's a whole other ballgame. We're not going to get into that. Um, But now, like as a, as a 26 year old, who's kind of like learning to love herself and learning to appreciate all the little quirks and little weird things that I do. um, I can honestly say like the fucking mentality was born out of pure uh, confidence and born out of pure lack of judgment and pure just safety, you know? Yeah. Cause fuck you, man. I'm doing me. I like who I am. I don't give a fuck about you. You want to come with me? Cool. If you don't, that's cool too. Like, I don't really care. I'm not going to judge you for it, but I'm going to keep going this way. You can go that way. We are good. You know? I love it. I'm so happy that you're like having this realization at that point. Yeah. Cause Oh God, if I would have done that, I described my quarter life crisis um, as the roughest thing I've ever been through in my life. Um, oh. I was mid late twenties. What age? Uh, it was between 26 and 28. I was, it was my, I, it, it started two days after I turned 25. Yeah. Like, I what I just started questioning, like, why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. What is the purpose of this? Am I even happy? Mm-hmm. Like, why did I go to school? Why am I in this grad school? What am I doing? Like, I just started questioning everything more so than when I was a teenager. And being a teenager was rough. Um, but the quarterly crisis, yuck. But I will tell you this: your thirties, bitch. Just you wait. Oh, I can't wait you will come into this like whole identity of yourself and every year you're going to own it more and more and more. And like, I get the chills every time I talk to anyone who's in their like twenties and I'm like, Ooh, just you wait for your thirties. Cause this shit's going to get real good. Mm. going to get real, real good. Yeah. I'm over my twenties. I, I appreciate them and they serve a purpose and I'm very, <laughs> <laughs> 
but holy motherfuck this shit okay <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. yeah Fuck 25 was a whirlwind. I'm just now on the come down at 26, but uh, I I could do without it, you know. Yeah, I I could have I could have had. I just released an episode today that says don't thank your trauma because don't that is weird. Don't. Oh man, thanks so much for putting through all this emotional turmoil and PTSD. No. Thank you so no. much. Dumbs no. up. I'm sorry. It just that's dumb. That's the dumbest thing people could say. Um, a trend on tiktok where it's like how is the best case scenario blah 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 and it's like yeah that's it's not the best case scenario to have all this trauma and cps cp you know what the fuck I'm trying to yeah, say. yeah 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 that, that thing that stuff yeah 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 um guys thank you so much for listening to aaron and i's basically ramble of uh all of our different thoughts and um, just our, well, just Aaron's journey and how she's been able to kind of sit in this, this side of her brain. Um, I think the key point to take away from this, and I'm going to keep driving this home is just, man, just be true to yourself. Uh, always remember that. Fuck you. At the end of the day, I'm going to do what's best for me because one day they love you next day. They hate you. And both days I got paid. So, um, guys, thank you so much for listening again. This is Aaron Backman. Is that how you would say that? Yes. Um, I will put all her information in the, in the, in the links below and guys give her a follow. If you guys are listening to this and you also struggle with being a little bit different or quirky, give her, give her page a follow. She has a lot of information about that. She talks a lot about just like different things to help with stylists kind of lean into that. Um, it's helped me a lot. It's helped me even behind the chair. Um, she has a lot of information about business and just how to be successful, a successful stylist, but also being neurodivergent in on the spectrum. You know, there's nothing bad about it. It's just, how do you do it? You know? Um, but Aaron, again, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It is awesome that you exist and that you are putting this information out there for people like me um, and other stylists too, that are listening to this and are hopefully going to find you and already have loved you. Um, so yeah, thanks everyone. And uh, I'll see you next time.